What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. And of course, we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. And before we introduce today's guest, my man Eric from Huntsville, Alabama. Who do you have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight, my brother? Hey, Corey. Thanks for, thanks for that, man. Man, the brother I have we want to talk about today, his name is Thomas Moorhead. A lot of people may not know Thomas Moorhead, but I'm going to give you some, some real facts about him. Uh, basically, he was at a peak of his career uh, when he decided to take a risk in the automotive industry back in 2001. He became the first African-American Rolls-Royce dealer in the world and the first African-American Lamborghini and McLaren dealer in the United States. Even more, he continues thriving throughout all these years, even after that. So we're going to get a little tidbits by Mr. Moorhead. He started out learning about the automotive industry from his mentor and his fraternity brother, James Bradley, who owns the Bradley Automotive Group. Bradley encouraged him to pursue the opportunity and said that he can become a millionaire by doing it. So truthfully, Moorhead climbed up the success of the latter success. He entered a several dealer training programs using his own savings until he opened up his first dealership. In 1988, he eventually launched Sturdy Motor Cars in 2001. And with his good reputation and dedicated and dedication to customer service, Moorhead caught the attention of Rolls-Royce, became the first African-American dealer in the world. So since then, he added the Mini Cooper, the McLaren, the Lamborghini to his lineup. And it has become the largest leading luxury car dealer in Delaware, Southern Pennsylvania, and in the Washington Metropolitan area so that's my spotlight for today mr warhead Corey. back to you yeah man we're gonna have to contact that brother get him on the show i'm gonna need one of those cars with a little black miss sunday's black and white look on it you know what i mean so thanks for that spotlight brother no problem now it's time fellas to introduce our guests we have two guests today we have brandon mcclain we have denzel mosley these brothers from the Namuro global foundation i'm gonna introduce brandon mcclain first this brother's the president of the namiro global foundation this brother's a veteran 12 years in the military this brother's also a consultant this brother has a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and homeland security from ucf and my man kalali check this this brother is working on a master's in public policy so i know you're gonna get his brother some tips today and also let's introduce denzel mosley this brother's the director of the namiro global foundation this brother is an eight-year military veteran hence what i'm telling y'all both of these brothers are veterans that plays a vital part in today's show this brother's eight years veteran this brother has a bachelor's in computer science so first off fellas welcome to black men sundays how both of y'all brothers doing today we're doing good man thank you for that great introduction and we're doing good weather out here in orlando per usual sunny beautiful nice wind got the window open feeling good but uh we're doing good man appreciate appreciate y'all having us definitely how you doing brandon i'm doing well i'm doing well thank you for answering our email you know how many emails we send a day and nobody responds so it's nice to get a response back and to be connecting with your brothers Appreciate Wait, I'll, hey i'll tell you this 
It's their fault. But guess what? They're going to be hitting y'all back now after y'all been on Black Men's Sundays. So let's go on and get this party started, man. Because like I said, this is we're out of Orlando, too. I'm out of Orlando. I got brothers on here. My man from Huntsville, Alabama. My man Kalali up in Maryland. We got brothers in Africa listening. To us. We got brothers in Panama all over the world listening. So my first question to you, man, what is the Namiro Global Foundation? So the Namiro Global Foundation is a veteran uh, organization. Um, we are actually the social impact arm of our sister company, Namiro. And we're essentially tying our two business models. Namiro focuses on uh, the movement of money. It's a fintech platform. And we wanted to use that business model in the nonprofit space to leverage our own money, track our spending, reinvest uh, in the businesses and that we support and provide direct services to uh, minorities and veterans. Definitely. And as I said in my intro, you're the president of the Namiro Global Foundation. So tell me, as the president, where did the idea come from? What was the impetus for setting up this foundation? So it was actually uh, fate. Um, I retired actually out of El Paso, Texas. Uh, so when I got out of the military in 2018, Right before the pandemic, I, said, I got, went to school, the world shut down, and there was a uh, heavy emphasis on resources, veterans. Food banks were on full swing. If you guys remember, everybody, every two, three times a week was getting food outside of church. Everybody needed resources everywhere. And every time I picked up the phone to call a veteran organization or the VA, the waiting times were long, resources were scarce. Uh, my disability pension priced me out of a lot of resources, so I didn't even qualify for a lot of veteran benefits. Uh, so basically, the the what started this all was, you know, my father told me a long time ago, if there's an organization or a business that doesn't exist, that's doing what you needed to to make your own. So we, me and Denzel started volunteering, and we got into the nonprofit space together when we were in Texas. Fast forward after the pandemic, I get my bachelor's. I apply to grad school. I pick UCF. I pack my stuff. I move here. And I end up meeting my fraternity brother. And he has a banking background. He started telling me about his platform and the movement of money in the minority community. And he started spinning me up. And there was just a lot of similarities between his endeavor and our endeavor. There was a lot of intersectionality. So we decided to merge our two business models and go after, you know, the, the that demographic nonprofits and most businesses struggle because of funding. So if we can hitch a money-making apparatus to our nonprofit, not only we can generate our own revenue, but we can reinvest it in ourselves and the organizations that we partner with. So that was kind of the goal. Mm, okay. Are you coming out the gates like that? Okay. So my man, Denzel the director of the Namiro Global Foundation. What about the foundation made you say, you know, yes, I want to go in with Brandon on this because a lot of times we've had business owners, we've had brothers that started off with other brothers, but then once they started becoming successful, brothers started peeling off, whether it was financial animosity or things of that sort. So what brought you in, Denzel, to want to say, hey, I'll be the director of the Namiro Global Foundation? Well, well, first, a little backstory. Brandon was my first NCO when I joined the military. And we, we got the, the funniest story. You know, I'm in processing. 
when you in pro love, he's already smiling. Well, you in process, you really don't have to show up to work, but you just got to check in. And so I was, you know, I had my family with me. So I was in and out of the office and he needed me to come back. I didn't answer my phone when I should have. And they finally get a hold of me. I got to come back to the office. Mind you, I got basketball shorts on, tank top, gold chain on and everything. So I come into the office. And he lit, he lit my ass up, man. Made me start doing push-ups, sit-ups, had me sweating. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my first encounter with this man. First encounter. So I'm over here sweating, getting yelled at, all type of stuff. He's just grilling me. So that was our first encounter. But um, after that, we gra he gradually just took took leadership on me. So he's been a mentor. I think I joined the military when I was 21 years old. I'm 29 now. So I've known him for a while. And he's been a mentor my, I mean, throughout my I mean, last 10 years of my life. So when he was going through his journey, uh, grad school, you know, moving from El Paso to here, I was doing the same thing, you know, went through a divorce, all, you know, type of stuff and was moving back from, I actually went to Korea and came back to the States and then we reconnected. And then, you know, he just reached out to me, man. Our connection got started to get stronger and stronger. And through, through that, we realized that our mindset was on the same path. And anytime you want to try to, you know, take over the world to do something, you know, it's easy when you do it with somebody. And and that and that and that's a fact too. I try to teach that to the, the younger men in my life. You don't got to do it by yourself. But he he told me, he told me about it. And knowing him for the last 10 years, man, I had my faith all in, you know, my faith in Brandon was strong. So when he gave him the opportunity, just like how he picked up and moved. And got in my car, got in my little Acura, packed up all my stuff in the back seat, and I came to Orlando, man. And we've been we've been shooting strong ever since. And I'm talking early mornings, gyms, working strong every day, weekly goals, daily goals. We just get closer and closer to to doing what it is and making the impact we want to make. So to answer your question, what made me do it was was one I needed I needed that immediate mentorship and impact of being with another man, another black man who's going to move with me at the same pace. And um and then the trust. I mean, you're only going to get in what you put out. So I knew coming here with him would be more beneficial than, than any other choice out there, especially I'm retired now too. So it had, you, I had to jump. And so I decided to jump with my man, Brandon. So. Wow. This man, first off, you said you're little Acura and this man, not even 30 and he already retired. So that yeah. leads to my next couple of questions. Either one of y'all can answer that. Cause you know, we talk about generational wealth. We talk about finance and we talk about business on our show. How can the Nomiro global foundation help brothers, achieve generational wealth i'll go first i'll, I'll answer first um like how brandon said we we fo we want to focus on small business anyways we here here domestically numero global foundation and with our sister company numero we're not necessarily fixing a problem that cash app zell or other foundations don't already fix we'll be self-funded so to make other brothers generational wealth and apply them with the knowledge and the resources to do that i mean it's as simple as us having the resources through our hard work and through our connection and our investments and sacrifices we make by giving them the, uh, the opportunity i mean uh, on my bio mentorship man i'm trying to bring my brother out here now he's trying to bring his younger brother out here now i'm 29 i learned i started learning the skills discipline emotional discipline anxiety control like doing things that put put me put me in a better space i learned it you could say between 26 and 27 years old my my younger brother just turned 21 i'm trying to teach it to him as long as he learns it before 26 or 27 i'm successful and so as as long as that trickles down and we're teaching the young men in our lives the skills that me and brandon are learning i think that generational wealth 
financially, that financially will come. You got to take risk. It's never a promise financially. But I think that as long as you're teaching and mentoring young men, the mental mental fortitude, emotional discipline, being able to have discipline all, all, all around, making smart decisions, being aware I think I think when they start learning that, then they'll understand that you got to, you know, you got to build yourself up in order to take care of your family and your li- your lineage and stuff like that. So, I, yeah, just just through just through mentorship, through mentorship and us using our 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 platform to to give access to uh, to the information and resources that a lot of them don't have. You know, when we speak, when we talk about generational wealth, most of us only speak of it individually as ourselves or you know, just the people we're connected to. And um, my goal for this platform is to provide uh, cultural wealth so that we have access um, to money and resources to build generational wealth individually. My mentor told me a quote a long time ago and I wrote it in my phone. I have them all written down. And he told me a while ago, you cannot have cultural independence without economic parity. And when we think of the way the world is shifting, e-commerce, shopping is digital, money is moving digitally, Mm -hmm. uh, the landscape is changing. And if we don't adjust to the way the economy is shifting, we're going to get left behind. I mentioned earlier that with the government shrinking the budgets of public programs, I'm old enough to, to you know, when I used to get dropped at the Boys and Girls Club, when I used to go be able to go to my community in New Jersey and get, you know, access to things that organizations will provide to the neighborhood and to kids, a lot of that stuff doesn't exist anymore. So we created this nonprofit and this uh, mobile banking app for two reasons. One, to, again, generate our own money, invest in our own programs invest in the businesses that help our community. And most importantly, through that aggregate power, we can create resources and connect small business owners to striving business owners. And because of we are on platform, we can start get to a point where we can create home loans, you know, for folks, we can create small business loans for people. You know, we talk about black spend initiative, our platform will allow us to track our spending, monetize our spending, and then reinvest. It gives us just a level of independence. So in order to have that independence, we've got to have economic parity, which means we have to have, you know, control of our own resources. So I think that's how we'd like to build generational wealth. And I actually have a question for you, Brandon, while you're on that topic. Uh, when we talk about financial education, you guys took the e-commerce and fintech route. Just tell us what made you guys take that route and what, about that route is helping you guys be successful? Reading, the world has been going this way. Uh, Bitcoin um, uh, is starting to become a thing, but really most importantly, being in the military, we move all over the world. We travel everywhere. Access to money when you're a soldier is very difficult. It's no different than uh, being in your communities. On your last episode, you mentioned brothers who live in Orlando never been to Disney. You know, I, I grew up in New Jersey and there are brothers in certain parts of Newark who'd never been to Broad Street. You know, so so when you th- when you think about it from from that context, again, the world is going digital. We have uh, cybersecurity backgrounds from the military. My business partner has a, a banking mindset and we thought about 
with soldiers retiring from the military and moving to places like Colombia, the Dominican Republic, Bahamas, how do we provide access and resources to brothers all over the world um, and provide easier access to money? And not to get too long-winded, homelessness, veterans, some veterans don't have access to their VA benefits because they don't have a house. Through our platform, we can get guys access to a bank account, get access to their VA benefits, you know, allow them to have access to their money so they can get off the street, pay for things and move. So anyway, just access to money. If you can uh, be financially independent, uh, you know, you can be successful. So we, we went that route because that's the way the world is going. We just didn't want to get left behind. And we feel like when you think of most veterans, you think of veterans being destitute, broke, homeless, but what veteran organization is empowering veterans to invest? What, what veteran organization is talking about wealth management? What veteran organization is, you know, uh, helping you write a business plan and giving you seed capital? You know, we're not talking about the kind of stuff, at least in our uh, immediate uh, communities. So we just wanted to make that change, that differentiation. Definitely. And, you know, um, before we continue this interview, I just want to thank Denzel and I want to thank Brandon for coming on the show, but I also want to thank you guys for being veterans because a lot of times in our communities, you know, we see you guys we, when you come home and you're fatigued, but we don't really get the full spectrum of understanding that our freedom is because of the contributions that you guys put forward. So I just want to thank you guys for your service. First off. So my next question for you guys is, you know, with the Namiro Global Foundation, you guys do support veterans, minorities and small business owners. And you have, a, as you alluded to, you have a banking app. So let's just kind of dive into all that. Like what made you guys say we're going to support our veterans initially from a financial perspective? Well, like how he said, experience one well, the experience of moving money, being overseas, not being able to. um have access to the to the same amount of money you know we had in in the states, and then also I mean not not to repeat it, but the, the world is moving digital. I mean that that is that is a fact. I mean we see it every day. There's more and more apps coming out on moving money. You got cryptocurrency. I mean that's just the way the way the move the the world is moving. And and me and Brandon, we we the information we consume, we're very picky about it. And so we learn, we're learning, like how you said, we're reading, we're learning, whether if it's YouTube videos, whether, whether if it's, you know, TikToks, whatever it is, all information we consume on the day to day, it is all, it is all, it is all about the land that we're in. And so, and when we chose this FinTech route, because this, I mean, for example, the Federal Reserve Bank, July 1st is launching their own FinTech app, FedNow. You're talking about the biggest, biggest back bank in here, you know, in 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 the world that's launching what we have already. So it's it's the it's just the way it's going. And like how Brandon said, you know, we don't want to be left behind. And with us being a front runner in this, and like anything else in life, I mean, this is how people this is how people become financially, you know, generational wealth. You know, in the pandemic, we had a lot of people become millionaires. There's times in times in history where, you know, things go sideways when people take the opportunity, they jump. And then the next thing you know, they're, you know, high risk, high reward. And so it's kind of like it's kind of like what we're doing. We we all believe in it. We all know it's going to come come to you just got to stay patient. And when we do come and we do we do launch and we do start helping these small businesses, it's going to allow us to like how Brandon said, is help the veterans, help the minorities and help the people we want to target. Um, and also to add, we chose 
veterans are loyal spenders, whether it's alcohol, cigarettes, uh, fishing, whatever it is, veterans will spend money. And a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of money within our, within the veteran community. So if we, again, if we can direct and control our own resources, then we won't necessarily need to rely on companies to provide us services um, when we're transitioning out of the military. Some, some veteran organizations are so large and so massive, they have huge salaries for staff, but their program budgets are so small. So they don't, not all organizations have a lot of money to actually give to us. Again, when, when the world shut down and I needed to pay my mortgage, it wasn't a whole lot of re, you know help and resources. We had to figure it out. So what more, why not be forward thinking and create a way to take our own money, monetize it, invest it in ourselves so we can have that um, independence? Yeah, and, and also there's a huge gap between you know, meeting requirements for veteran assistant help. I mean, you you either got to be broke, living on the streets, poor, and homeless to get help, and that's it. And then there's a there's a middle gap of where that most percentage of people, like me and Brandon, sit, where we live every day from paycheck to paycheck, and still have the everyday struggle. And but we we make too much, or or you know, you're not hired hired dis, disabled yet, or is it is a big gap of you know. Of, of that of that percentage of people that don't get help because they're not broken up or they're not homeless or stuff and so I was another reason why because me Brandon like how he said during the pandemic it was a struggle I mean it was a struggle for me as well so I mean you got a lot of people there's a big group of people right there that need that help and so we want to want to make sure not just the homeless veterans not just the minorities that are on the streets and you know, that's a, that's a smaller percentage than the people who are struggling every day, about to lose their house, can't feed, put put groceries in here, can't do this, can't do that. And those, so those, those are the people we want to target and make sure have the re access to the resources as well. Definitely. And uh, Brandon alluded to something. He said, you know, cigarettes, alcohol. And, you know, when I think of veterans, I think of mental depression. I, you know, so what are you guys doing from a mental wellness perspective to help our brothers and sisters that are veterans? Um, thank you for asking that question. We're in the process right now of launching a mental health pilot program. It's called the 50-50 campaign. And we've got some mental health organizations, therapists, uh, doctors, medication uh, providers who we're, we're um, developing relationships with, and they're actually going to uh, pilot the program and they're going to use our fintech platform as the payment solution for underinsured uh, veterans. A lot of people don't have insurance, not because they don't want it, but it's either too expensive or they don't get seen because they can't pay for co-pays. And uh, veterans um, sometimes have to wait 30 to 90 days between mental health appointments. So we're actually in the process of launching our program in September. We have a um, luncheon that we're going to do September 8th. And on September 9th, we're going to do a ruck march in the city. The location is to be determined uh, in September for Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And the money that we raise will go into an account to fund uh, the providers that are going to help our veterans. And we're going to open it up to veterans, minorities, people who are underinsured, 
to come in and we're going to provide them subsidized mental health resources. So they'll be able to use our platform and pay 20 bucks to go see a therapist. You know, they might, we might be able to get them subsidized uh, medication treatment so they don't have to, to pay for it. And again, if we use our platform to raise money, if we use our platform platform to pay for goods and services. The more folks we get on the platform, the more we generate the revenue. Eventually, that program will be able to self-fund itself. Again, where we we own our technology, our nonprofit is funding it all. So the money that we make and generate, we just funnel right back into the program. Eventually, it builds itself. Our goal is to get to a point where we can provide free services um, to veterans, minorities, and anybody that's underserved. But for now, because we're so small, we're going to focus and pilot it in the veteran community and then hopefully expand. But that's in September. Great information, man. And lastly, before I talk to, to my man, Kalali, I'm going to just go on and set him up. So uh, you're working on a master's in public policy. Why, brother? It's, it's going to sound trivial, but um, so I went back to school late. Uh, originally, I wanted to be a lawyer. So I I studied pre-law, criminal justice, and homeland security because of my military background. And I just knew I was going to be Thurgood Marshall or something, right? And, excuse me, um, you know, sitting on the couch during the pandemic and watching so much happen, I just Googled one day, what degrees do politicians have? You know, how do we change the laws in this country? You know, when you serve and you wear the uniform, you're kind of immune to everything that happens in the world. And when I took the uniform off and sat on the couch, I realized, you know, so I Googled and I found public administration. Now, public policy is where I wanted to go because I learned following the campaigns that if you change policy, then you can, with social pressure, you can change the law. So I thought, Instead of going and fighting a system that I feel is rigged and unjust, being a lawyer, I, I'm a competitive person. I hate to lose. So I figured maybe if I go the policy route, maybe I can influence, use my nonprofit, use our connections that we make to influence policy to change the material conditions of people. So that's kind of how it started. I started with public admin. Most of the programs required a GRE. I'm a terrible test taker. So uh, I got into UCF. I started on the MPA track, but because of COVID, they waived the GRE. So after doing some master's classes, no one in my family has a master's degree other than my aunt. I realized I can do this. So I switched over and uh, now I'm on the MPP track. I graduate next year. So I'm excited. And I just want to let you know, Brandon, real quick, my man Kalali Dogbay from Maryland. I'm going to do his intro for him. My man Kalali Dugway from Maryland has a master's in public policy. Kalali, take it away, brother. Thanks for putting me on, bro. I, I appreciate it, man. Nah, I I think it's dope just to hear like we need more Black people getting involved in public policy and the reasons why you said you wanted to be involved in public policy are exactly the reasons why uh, somebody should get involved in public policy in my estimation is um, you learn the system. Like it's it's one thing, like like you said, it's one thing to be a lawyer. To be a lawyer, you either going you either gonna you're going to advocate. You know, that's what lawyers do. You're going to advocate either for um for whoever your client is. So if your client is a social change organization, then you'll advocate for social change. If your client is a corporation, you'll advocate for, you know, better breaks for businesses. You know what I mean? But um what I what I think that 
that uh, having expertise in public policy gives you is a way to think critically about the information that you're being presented, why it's being presented, and how that fits into the system. So, you know, actually more or less than having a question for you really about it. I just just would take my hats off to you and take my hats. I actually take my hat off to both of y'all for just um finding seeing a seeing a niche, seeing something that that needed to be addressed in terms of the way we treat our veterans. You know what I mean? At, at least to start off, you know, and and trying to and trying to uh fit that niche. Cause I mean for me, you know, as somebody who works, you know, in public policy, uh, one of the things that we see a lot of times is we see where, you know, people have have served this country, you know, saying put their lives on the line or whatever. And then when they come out, it's like they don't have any opportunities or there's no bridge or or for for select few. So you talked about uh, non-commissioned officers, you know, you a non-commissioned officer, you know, it's, it's different if you're a commissioned officer. Right. You might get a couple of different opportunities. You might get, you know what I mean, because of. Uh, one, because of the, the you got to have a degree to be a commissioned officer. And then two, because of the connections you make talking to other commissioned officers. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, for for those for our, for our NCOs and just our enlisted, uh, our enlisted uh, force, we don't have the same. They don't often get the same breaks. A lot of times they just get cut loose. You know what I mean? So um, I would just more more want to take my hat off to you all for just seeing that niche and trying to do something about it and trying to help people out. Um, as far as making that transition uh, from being, you know, in the military to them becoming a civilian. Um, I guess a question I would have for you is, Brandon, you mentioned, or, or actually Denzel, you mentioned that Brandon is your mentor and he's he's mentoring you, kind of kind of been mentoring you for the last decade. And then Brandon, you also mentioned that you have a mentor that you also work with. And so I just like you to, um, if you, if either one of y'all want to elaborate on, on, or just, just talk more about what the importance is of, of mentoring and networking in terms of, you know, black folks getting ahead or just folks getting ahead, because I feel like that's something that we don't always, you know, value is, is you need a mentor. How do you get a mentor? What role does a mentor play in your life? And then how does that, how does building that network really allow you to succeed? Either one. That's a question for either one of y'all. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. No, it was. I mean, it's a, one. It's extremely important for for young men to have to have mentors. For me, it was. I was at a crossroad in life where I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was 25, 24 years old, just got out the military. I didn't know what was next for me, and and I really didn't. I, my father is in my life, but I mean, he didn't really have much mentorship to offer me. At that time, I had I had bigger ambitions. I had to find someone again who was on that on that same mindset as me, and um and it was Brandon. And it was important for me to learn everything I could from someone who spoke like him, who dressed like him. I mean, I I came from wearing jeans and basketball shorts every day. I mean, we wake up. I mean, on a regular Tuesday, I'm wearing slacks and some dress shoes just to go to Target. You know, so it's it's important to have a mentor because you i mean the things that you you wouldn't learn from being at home with your family is is what you learn from having that mentor i was important i was important for me and then what I, and and then also i take what he teaches me again i have a, a lot of young men in my life that don't have fathers none of my nephews have their father in their lives and my younger brother i mean my father is in our lives but again he's not in a position where he wants to be in life and that's fine and but I had to take a step up and be there for my brother. And so I try to take what I learned from Brandon and I try to implement it in their lives as well so they can they can get it early. But it's, it's it is important. And a lot of people think it's 
a lot, especially a lot of young black men will think it's something wrong with, you know, listening to someone or asking questions or saying you need help. And that, and that's, and that's, it's, it's detrimental for them to think like that. Extremely, extremely detrimental. So I don't know, man, I'm just trying to try to make sure they understand the importance of asking questions, learn from my mistakes. You know what I'm saying? So as far as me, I, uh, I kind of was forced to learn, net, learn networking early on. I graduated high school, moved to Philadelphia and went right to trade school didn't go to college right right away, um, and and then I went went back to school after that. But I've always been a trailblazer, and as the oldest boy in my family, and the oldest twin, most of my experiences early on were always Brandon will try it. We'll we'll base our movements on his mistakes, and I've never been afraid to fail. My life has been hard. I bumped my head year in and year out, but I've just been sharpened over the years. I'm a, a student. I love to read. I like, I'm an analyzer. If you give me a piece of string, I'll pull it until the sweater come apart. That's always kind of been my nature. And I've always been aggressive and assertive. So I've had the luxury of always being the mentor to people because I've made so many mistakes and because I trailblaze my own path I got to give that to people it wasn't until I started and it became self-employed and now I'm attempting to become a businessman that I really a, truly obtained a true mentor to kind of sit me down because when you start a business it's not the same as hustling you know a fast receiver can that's only got one route on the route tree can only do but so much. At some point in time, you got to develop your skill. And running has gotten me to this point. And now that I've gotten here, I've met a, a wonderful brothers from all industries. Once you start a business and you, you get over the fear, it's people are very resourceful. And I tell Denzel, I wake up every day. Never stop selling yourself and never miss the opportunity to shake a hand because you just never know whose hand you're going to shake and how they may be a blessing to you. And even if they're not a blessing to you, they might be a blessing for somebody that you know. So every day we wake up and we make it our business to meet one new person, say hello to someone, help another person. And that's kind of how we, we we live. That's what's up. No, I really appreciate your mindset and, and just how y'all going about doing what y'all doing and you know, definitely wish y'all, you know, the best of the best of luck as y'all continue on this endeavor. Uh, you know, financial, you know, the financial uh, uh, arena can be very competitive, uh, can be filled with a lot of challenges. So, you know, definitely, you know, we'll be, I know he, over here, Black Men Sunday, we'll be probably tracking y'all progress and see how y'all, how y'all shaking out, man, for real, you know, but definitely appreciate y'all coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. So let's jump back in to the uh, Namiro Global Foundation. I noticed on your website, you guys have three pillars. Can you discuss that and the importance of each pillar? Yeah, three pillars are wellness, education, and employment. What started it all, to my point, previous point, was becoming a civilian, realizing that I needed education in order to compete. Um, I needed to find a job in order to put food on the table, and I couldn't because of the the stress on on the economy. But most importantly, uh, wellness. I got diagnosed with um, chronic PTSD, and, and my first few years at the military was extremely hard. The social isolation and everything that came with it 
really made it hard to to do much of anything. Um, and the reason why we created the 50-50 campaign and focused initially on wellness, because if you can get brothers mentally well, they can be financially well. If you can get them mentally and financially well, they can go back to school and get educated. And if you can do those three things, they can join the workforce. And if we can accomplish all three of those pillars, we can be functioning members of society. And we wanted to take a, a non-traditional approach to those pillars and go back to being old school where you could flip through a pamphlet or flip through, you know, a paper clip, you know, notebook of resources in your community to call people. Most organizations don't speak. They don't talk to each other. So our goal, mine and Denzel, was how do we take a guy who's getting out and hanging his boots up? How do we get him on the books and how do we funnel them through our system? If they need mental wellness, go here. If you need to get a job, go here. If you want to, if you need help, you know, go here. So we were trying to position our nonprofit as a bridge and a connector of other organizations. If we can create aggregate power, we can become the Avengers. You know, <laughs> if, 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 if we can pick up the phone and have, you know, access to three, two, 300 companies, we can't fail each other. And it's not so much that the system is failing veterans. It's more so just guys getting out and having absolutely no idea where to go. So that's kind of, you know, how we approach this whole process. For a brother that's a small business owner, but he's not a veteran, can he still get some type of representation under the, under you guys' foundation or no? Yes, we um we have connections to other organizations. A lot of people, when they get into the nonprofit space, they have an extremely broad mission and vision and extremely broad demographic because they feel they won't be successful if they isolate a demographic or two. We choose to focus on veterans, but we want to connect minorities, small business owners, as well as veterans to other organizations through our fintech platform. For example, um, we don't have any processing fees for through our platform. It's a peer-to-peer -peer solution, right? So if we were able to help a struggling small business owner save Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on processing fees a year, then we've made that that business owner some money. You know, if we can through our platform connect guys to mental health resources, that's one less person committing suicide or going untreated. If we can connect other organizations, uh, other minorities to programs that are just underfunded, we can use our business to help reinvest in them so they can help more people. If everybody does a little, nobody's got to do a lot. So we might not be able to help everyone, but through our reach and hopefully support from the community, if we can't help someone, then there's an organization that can help those who we cannot. When we talk about fintech, this financial technology, for those not to know, give some tips for brothers that may have a similar bachelor computer science degree like Denzel has. Um, how can they get involved in the financial technology realm? Well, to be honest with you, I don't even, I got involved because Brandon, Brandon told me about it. It's not, it's, I, honestly, it's not, it's not an easy room to, from my experience, it's not easy to get into, or, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. Fintech is cash app. I mean, how would you get into cash app other than buying some stocks? You know, 
Zelle? How would you get into PayPal? So other than the opportunity, I mean, that was presented to me, I feel like I'm extremely blessed and, and lucky to even have this opportunity to invest and, and do it. Now, I will say er, early in my military career, I did invest in Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. I mean, but we get that we get that push to us all the time through through content and social media. But that's what did it for me and allowed me to invest, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars into Numero was because I invested in the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And I had that sitting there. And when this opportunity approached me, you know, it was a no brainer, you know, so I took what I, I made from that and what I had from that. And, you know, I gave it I gave it into this fintech realm. So. A more in-depth answer, maybe Brandon can Brandon can share some light on how to walk into some fintech. But I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, because you know we're talking about generational wealth. I'm like, you know, y'all have a mobile banking platform. So Brandon, I mean, if I'm a brother, and I'm like, listen, I got Cash App. I do, I do all that. Zelle, all that. How can a brother get acclimated? and set up their own mobile banking platform like you guys have? We bootstrapped this entire thing. We asked friends and family. Um, we had a vision and we had support and cre that created it. But most importantly, I don't think it's more so how to get into it. It's you got to understand the industry. A lot of people don't like to read uh, business Digest. A lot of people aren't looking at Fox Business. A lot of people don't understand. Public policy is all numbers, statistics. Uh, you know, how money moves, how a budget is created, how money is dispersed, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if, if you have an appetite for, for the work, then the fintech side is easy to understand. But without one, you can't understand the other. But long story, less long Man, it, it took us, I came onto the project and it's taken us about three years to get to where we're able to pilot it. My business partner and, and you know, we, that can be another conversation for another day. They um, have been, have 30 plus years of experience in the industry. So it, it was just me riding the coattails of their experience and the shifting change of just the economy in general. But because we have computer science backgrounds, because we have, uh, you know, cybersecurity backgrounds, understanding how to secure and make the movement of money secure is kind of where we came into play. But we were not the brains of it. Bless God, really, is how we got here. No, this is Kalali. I would just say, yeah, you know, that, you know, long, like you said, long story short, right? You have to know the industry, right? Know the industry well enough to, to see a gap, you know, see a need that that needs to be filled, have the technical expertise uh, expertise to 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 build an app that's gonna that's gonna meet that need, and then like you said, where y'all came in is 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 making it secure, and now you're in the stage of of of, of what it seems like is 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 publicizing the uh the you know the the capability that you've now that you've now made and making it available to people, and then obviously funding goes into that right, so you need you know you need funding for that as well, so so yeah. No, yeah. It's a huge undertaking, but I definitely applaud mm -hmm. y'all for trying to for trying to fill that gap. I think it's a need um, that's definitely out there. Obviously, it, it goes in line with some of the things that we're doing in terms of just trying to get more financial education out there to people who don't have it. And then, you know, like I said, what, what where I see alignment with y'all is y'all are actually providing the capabilities that'll be necessary for people to 
um, take advantage. You know what I'm saying? Once they do, okay, I see, I, I think I, I know how to, how I want to go about managing my money. What kind of a capability or what, you know, what kind of a technical capability can I use to help me actually put that plan into action? So nah, I, you know, like I said, I just applaud y'all for even, for even stepping in. Cause it's, it, it, it's challenging, uh, you know, but if you keep plugging away at it, you will be successful. I'll also add this too. Me and Denzel, once a month, we we invite people to come out. Um, we walk, we exercise, um, and we try to have a fellowship amongst men to share information, share knowledge, and share uh, you know news articles and clippings of where the world is going. I'll be quite honest; we do not get a whole lot of support now. So, you know, going back to my previous point, if it's not you know, like bait or if it's not sexy and exciting, we don't really get a whole lot of love. We do get some support for people, but, you know, for the most part, it's uh, unfortunately we're a see, touch, feel people. And if me and Denzel aren't, you know, riding on a helicopter and riding McLarens to Brother Eric's point, you know, up to the kickback, nobody's going to look at us and say, you know what they're talking about. So, but we're just going to keep working until we can, get to the point where we can be influential enough to hopefully spur the charge that makes a difference. Uh, definitely keep pushing along, Brandon, with that public policy degree. It's going to come in handy, trust me. <laughs> it's definitely going to come in handy. I just want to highlight once again our uh, our mental health program, our 50-50 program. Um, we're, we're raising money for that program. You can donate um, through our website. You know, Basically, mental health is a huge need in our community. And um, if we can show this proof of concept, then we can rectify mental health first and then move to other industries. And again, grow our platform to be able to service other industries and small businesses. We focus on mental health because that's the most important, that's near and dear to my heart. And with the holidays coming up shortly after the summer, you know, mental health is gonna be important. So if we can get support, you know, funding, you know, awareness for what we're doing. And then most importantly, come out and walk with us. You don't got to do the whole 22 miles, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Our event, our event coming up yeah. in September, meet us halfway, man. We're doing, we're doing the luncheon on the 8th. And on that following day, on the September 9th, we'll be doing a 22 mile competitive relay ruck march. You you know, whoever participates can com complete it however much they want to, but uh, yeah, just su support on that, man. Letting people get the word out and letting people hear about, hear about that. Definitely. And for brothers that want to get in contact with your uh, Namiro Global Foundation, is there a website that they can contact you guys? Yeah, the website is www.namiroglobalfoundation.org. Uh, all of our informations are there. We have a Namiro Global Foundation Instagram, and Facebook, and LinkedIn. They'll be able to find us directly through one of those uh, pages. Oh, sounds good, man. So last question for both of y'all. Did y'all enjoy your time on Black Men's Sundays, brothers? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Enjoy it. Hey, that's what we do, man. We we trying to get the information out there from financial literacy. I think y'all the first that actually catered toward veterans. So that's awesome. So I want to salute both of you guys, Brandon McLean, Denzel Mosley of the Nemiro Global Foundation. Thanks for coming on Black Men's Sundays. And enjoy you guys this week, brothers. Peace. God bless you, brothers. It's a black man's son.